0: Love, talk
1: Radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? I'm Anthony Salome, live with Alex Nicholas for another episode of the Rush Podcast.
0: The Rush Podcast yeah, or, the, po- or the anointing the of Tim Floyd? <laughs> the re-anointing of Tim Floyd. Nah, no, we're not going
1: there. What's we're going not going on there. Y'all yeah. yeah, want to join the conversation, talk about some U- anything else that has to do with UTEP Conference USA Sports or whatever else is on your mind, really. I mean, if you want to talk Dallas Cowboys, I'm done with that, too. You can talk to us, Cal. 347 951 is the call number. Of course, you can always hit us up on the open thread on minorrush.com, or you can tweet at us, uh, twitter.com, or what is it, at SPN Minor Rush, yeah, I guess is actually yes, what sir. it is. But yes, sir. Y'all know where to find us. Anyway, are we going to really do this in 19 Floyd? Is that what you want to do today?
0: Nah. You know, I mean, there's... It's it's a nice turnaround. Let's start with that. we got a couple of times. It's going to be a shoot-the-shit type of day for y'all. I got a couple of topics to kind of go over, but we're going to just shoot the shit and and pretty much basketball only, football definitely quiet. We hit football pretty damn hard (laughs) on our last podcast with the National Signing Day. Shout-out to all those players that joined us. Um, But, yeah, I mean, crazy, bro. Think about this. One of the last podcasts we did in 2013 – or 2013. (laughs) That was a long time time ago. ago. 2016. We're sitting, what, 2-12, and double-digit losing streak. This team can't catch a break. This team can't compete. This team just falls apart. And all of a sudden now you flip the page two months, almost three months later, this team is 9-2 and two in their last 11. They have identities on both ends of the floor. You're getting guys stepping up. These coaches seem cohesive in terms of their game plan. Sometimes I don't agree whether it's the start of a game or, or not so much situational. I think that's gotten better, but starts of the game have been continual issues, whether it's getting off to a slow start, team getting off hot, but this team is in contention for a top four, see like a legitimate can like, they own their own destiny. Oh, there's a driver's a, seat for a Yeah. Honestly, for a, if you want to get crazy, we can even say for third place, you know what I mean? Even though that doesn't mean much, but I mean, it, it's this turnaround. I don't want to say it should be glorified because I mean, in, in this household, this minor rush household that we're in, what do we judge everything? Banners. Banners and, and championship appearances. And ultimately that's going to be a deciding factor on the season. But damn, bro, what a, what a fucking turnaround to where we're thinking. This team isn't going to make the conference tournament legitimately could not make the conference tournament at the beginning with the Owen three starting the conference play. And now they're in the driver's seat for a top four seed with a, favorable schedule, if you will, coming up here in the next couple of weeks. It, it,
1: it, it's, it's, it's mind boggling, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of different ways that you could really look at this thing. Um, I mean, yeah, like you're talking about, there were two and 12. And if you really want to get down two to it, 13. they were really or two and 13. And when you really want to get down to it is that they were one and 13.
0: Take away Louisiana, because, yeah. because they
1: only had one division one win. The other one's a non-division one. So, you know, you talk about some of the ratings and whatnot, they don't even count that, that non-division one win. Um, but you, can, you, you know, I'll take the opposite side, and I'm, I'm, I'm not taking away any credit because there's definitely credit due here uh, from from both the coaching staff, Tim Floyd himself, as well as the players that have that have kind of stepped into their own. Um, even as of late in the last couple of games, you know, I've been very, very disappointed with Jake Flaggart and Trey Tushet. I mean, extremely disappointed with them. They just have not panned out to be the players that we thought they were. But as of late, you know, they they've knocked down a few shots and they've been winning plays. And, and, but, but I'm going to take a little different uh, approach to it and just look at the games that we've won. And you talk about the teams that you're beating, and the vast majority of these, of these wins in the nine-game stretch or the 9-11 of are teams that are outside the top eight in the conference. You know, you have two in the top eight, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and it's against Rice, who's number six or something like that. And then it's against Louisiana Tech or uh, uh, Middle Tennessee, which is a great win, obviously. Mm-hmm. They're the only loss in conference of the top team. So you've got a couple – you've got one good win. And then you got one decent win, and you got a bunch of – you're beating the bottom feeders. So it's definitely, it's definitely something to, to hang your hat on. It's great that you've made this turnaround considering where you were just about four or five weeks ago. But I, I don't want to get my hopes up too much. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like it, it, the anointing of Tim Floyd, he does deserve credit. You know, he definitely deserves credit for getting this team. It, it would have been so easy to just throw in the towel. And turn this into a to a five and twenty eight season or whatever. You weed out players, and, and yeah, ready and, for and, next and it series. would have just been so easy to do that. Instead, they like you said, they gotten themselves into a position where they're they're in a are in, in, in position to really lock up a top four seed. I mean, if they can go on this on this Florida trip, and at I would you know like to say go two and zero, but if they can at least split, they can come home and have a chance to take care of business and still lock up a top four. Seat. That's great, but again. You know, you gotta look at the competition that you're playing, and and you gotta realize also that this conference is not very good. You know, whatever whatever uh, ratings you want to look at, I mean, you're talking about the the 16th, 17th, 18th best conference in the in the country. Even worse than that. 20th, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just depends on Get where you look. But I mean, you're you're, you're talking about a, a league that's just not very good. And um, you know, you've got some teams that can score some points when you look at a team like uh, Marshall that goes out and put a, puts up a lot of points. We did well against them, but. There's just not a whole lot of talent there. And that and that was kind of my point yesterday on, on the Conference USA
0: podcast that, that I do with old dude from UAB Is like, okay, it, it's great because on the basketball side of it and the UTEP side, yes, they found identities. You're getting guys playing at a different level that we didn't expect this year. But my question to, to Dave was how much of this is a product of of a watered down Conference USA outside of Louisiana Tech and Middle Tennessee, who are really good teams personnel wise, coaching wise, but I'm kind of I'm I'm with you on that one, and that's why I was joking around with the anointing of, anointing of Tim Floyd because part of it is yeah, this great turnaround, guys are stepping up, but you look on that flip side of it, and you're right. I mean, it's it's a watered down portion, and to me, UTEP, it as great of a turnaround it's been more than anything. They've just taken care of business. Like yeah, it's special exactly. because of, of of what where they were a couple months ago, but when you look at the grand scheme of things, they're just kind of taking care of business against teams, particularly at home. Louisiana Tech, that was a game that probably could have gone either way, you know what I mean, and that probably really, the tone may be a little bit more hype, I guess you can say, from us, if you, if you get that win, but they've been taking care of business. I mean, UTSA at home, Southern Miss at home, the Florida schools, I mean, when they broke that, the, the started the winning streak, I mean, took both of those to overtime. Now, that that's a scary scenario going on the road this but I totally agree. I mean, it's it,
1: you know, you mentioned the home game, Six of your nine wins are at home. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's another thing to consider, and that's great to have three road wins
0: compared you know? to how they were horrible both, yeah, on the, know, at home.
1: But. but there's just so many things to look at. You know, and, and I know this is kind of unfair to say, but if this team had beat Western Kentucky and Louisiana Tech, which isn't a stretch, it's not like they they were. Yeah. You know, obviously the Western Kentucky game, they fell behind early. They they tried to mess with some some different zones and different schemes on defense that didn't work at all. But, you know, if they win those two games, and we're talking 11 straight, I'm anointing Tim Floyd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I mean, and this is definitely a team that now going into the conference tournament could le- legitimately have a chance to win it all and, and make the NCAA tournament after that start. With those two losses, it just shows that there's still holes Oh, there. yeah. Oh, you know, And plenty, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's a secret by any means. I mean, you talk about the depth with this team. You know, when you, when you really look at it, they got their starting five, which is uh, you got Omega and Dominic, and then you got Matt. Jake, and uh, oh, Paul, right? So you got those five. Coming off the bench, you got Kelvin, which Kelvin, at any at, depending on whatever game, I mean, he's really only a 15- to 20-minute guy. Yeah. You know? And then you got Trey, who's basically the same thing. He's played more minutes here and there, but he's still basically a 15-minute guy, and he's not really an offensive threat. Um, so, you know, but aside from that, I mean, Deion Barrett hasn't really played he's a whole lot. He's disappeared to play big time. And, and you just don't have anything else behind that. So you're basically playing seven deep. And when you really think about it, I mean, Jones isn't the biggest offensive player, although we've seen flashes of yeah. some stuff that we like. What we're going to see, what we think we'll see in the future, but Trey is not has not been productive consistently, and neither has Jake. So you've got four guys basically, four guys that all your points have to rely on, and that's just so hard to do. It's a little easier to do it right now when, especially like we talked about, six wins out of your nine are at home. But when you have to go play on a neutral court, and then you're playing three days in a row that's when things get real. And that's when I, I mean, and I'll jump right into this, a question that Lutz Miner minor talked about on that fatigue. Um, you know, I don't think fatigue is set in right now when you've got two, three days in between a game, that's not, that's not when you're going to see it. It's you're going to see it when these guys have to play three, three days in a row, you might have an overtime game, a late game, and then an early game. You never know how your schedule is going to set up. That's when you're going to start noticing that fatigue when you have a seven man rotation and You know, this is assuming that they would even make it through three days, you know, mm-hmm. get to play three days in a row. But if they do, that's when you're going to start to see that fatigue. Um, either way, look, I wouldn't bet on UTEP to get out of the first round of the conference tournament. I'm not saying they won't, but I'm saying the way that we've seen them play. Particularly in the conference tournament? I, I, would, I would not I would not bet that they would get out of the, the first round. So do you
0: think, and it's a good point that, that Lutev was talking about artists and, and Harris, because for that first half of the season, I mean, shit, these dudes are playing 37, 30 minutes, 38 minutes a game. They're both producing, whether it's on the board. I mean, they're doing a plethora of production. Now, that's tapered off because of the emergence of Paul Thomas and, and the consistency of Matt Wilms, but do you see these two guys in particular kind of getting, quote, unquote, worn down? And like you said, it's, it's not so much that, you know, it's kind of like that second half, you're down eight, you need to run. Does Omega have that, that juice? I think when you're looking at each player individually, Omega Harris, the kid's an athlete in the half. I mean, I think, and I've heard Floyd say this, where Omega can run all day. I agree with, with that point where I don't see that fatigue with Omega, but I'm going to kind of go a little bit off the radar and put a little analyst hat on here and say for Dominic, it could be because, and this is, to me, this is the only factor. Dominic artist has gained some muscle and some weight, so he's not used to carrying that around for 35-plus games for 40 minutes each if there's anybody that can see kind of wear and tear on this team, it could be Dominic Artist. but then again, let's go back to these kids are 19 to 22-year-old kids that, I mean, they're in the prime of, the, of their of their life, I guess you could say, not so much athletic life, but that does become a factor in that it's something that it's nice to have these past couple of games where you have a Paul Thomas carry the score and go 23, and Artis can kind of Expert his energy, I guess you can say, in that overtime, the last five to seven mm-hmm. minutes. You know what I mean? That that could be a factor, but I don't think it's going to be a biggest big
1: factor than it was a couple years ago when T.J. Cooper was the lone guard. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I don't I don't really see it becoming an issue. And like I said, especially not toward not down the stretch here in the regular season. I mean, if it hasn't shown up now, I don't see it yeah, showing up that, later. You know, last that four all. games a year. Nope. Um, but but when you look at it, it is crazy because I was just I just wanted to look it up. Dominic Artis is ranked, if you want to call it ranked, <laughs> 14th in the nation in minutes per game at 36.4. I mean, there's 13 guys that play more minutes a game more than him. And you're talking about in all of Division One, which is in the range of like four to 5,000 players. And Dominic Artis is 14th. And then you just look a little further down the list, and Omega Harris is right there at, at 24. And he's only, what is that, 210? Two- of a minute behind him. So, I mean, these guys are, are basically both playing, you know, as many minutes as anybody in this country is playing right now. That's crazy to think about, but it's things that you that you have to do for your team. So, when you talk about a 40-minute game and you've only got four minutes of rest, you know, what I'd like to see is, is maybe Tim Floyd, instead of, in, like, he, it seems like he's got, you see this a lot in the NBA, right, where uh, they have their their specific breaks. Back like you'll see, a, day, you'll see a lot of stars, on back no, no, back not necessarily like that, that much, like actually minutes in the game. So like you see a lot of times where like the stars will go out for the last two minutes of the first quarter and take the first three minutes of the second quarter off. So they've got that long break and then they come back in and it's kind of like they play that way. Every single game, unless you're talking about the playoffs or something Mm -hmm. like that. And I see Tim Floyd doing a little bit of that. More with Matt Wilms, though, right? Definitely with Matt Wilms, but he does it in his little breaks. He does it with With around the media time. Exactly. Around those media timeouts. Sometimes it's a little late in the first half and maybe midway through the second half that he'll take out his guys. I would like to see him get them maybe down just another minute, 35 minutes, 34 minutes and spread them out a little more you know, take them out at, at eight and a half minutes and get them right back in it right after the media timeout yeah. so they have a two, three-minute break. And do that a couple times throughout the game rather than just take them out for three or four minutes at once and leave them in the rest of the game. You know, so I think if you if you kind of were just a little smarter with how you spread out their breaks, and they don't have to be for long periods of time, but just to give them a little rest, a little breather every now and then, I think that would be uh, – I, I think we would find that that would be a, a better thing for the team, you know, because we've seen it at times – more than their fatigue, the team takes a step back when Dominic and Omega are not on the floor together because there's just not enough scoring threats. And and Paul Thomas, as good as he's been, he's played great. We've seen him start to develop into that player that we knew he could be, which is amazing. is awesome. He's still a little inc- inconsistent, although he's starting to get that consistency. But even with when he doesn't have threats like Dominic Artis and, and Omega Harris on the perimeter – it's a lot harder for him to get his. Yeah. And so when you have guys like Touche and, and Jake Flaggert in there, and you don't have your your, your scores on the perimeter, it's just it, it throws a wrench in the system, and you really see this team struggle and just slow down offensively. And and it's kind of tapered the path. I mean, we would
0: notice it at the, even, even during the, the beginning part of this, quote-unquote, winning streak where – Floyd refused to have either of them off the floor. Yeah. Now you're starting to see it, but it's not, like you mentioned, it's not kind of that drawn out. It's more of like a possession, a trip, uh, right after the next foul or the next free throw, you know, when they line up. So that that's definitely something that there should be, that I would think, could be twe- tweaked this week. You yeah. know what I mean? That kind of should be tweaked a little bit this week because I, looking, kind of going ahead in this weekend, I, you're looking at every time, no matter what's sport is, you you know, we've talked about the FAU, FIU swing, it's all, those should be automatic W's. I think there's a 50-50 chance UTEP comes out 0-2 this weekend, partially because of, 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 like you said, could it be fatigue? I mean, you're going, now you're traveling back-to-back weekends, you know, you're going to have to play, you know, 30 minutes, you know, basically your main guys, your Omega Harris's, your Dominic Artis, but these are two teams that can match up with you. You know they matched up well here in El Paso, and they're one of those teams that if if they shoot well, kind of like any team in the country, they're gonna have problems. And I think you know looking ahead to this weekend, you know, and and Tim Floyd had a had a pretty good quote today. I, I didn't get the chance to go there, but I read it where he's talking about you know the team is at a point right now where they can lose their next four, but mentally they're still kind of there. You know what I mean? So I, as much as, as, yes, you know, you want to lock up that four seed, which is important for fatigue. I mean, you just, I, to me, just continuing to see this team keep themselves above water in terms of of being competitive in the game, I think is it, a win-win situation for the rest of the season, really, and that's kind of what we're saying, even though they've won nine of their last 11. But, I mean, this is going to be a difficult road trip this week just because these are two teams that took UTEP – to overtime in their crib, and because I like, I,
1: I just don't like that matchup. I will say that um, I agree with you, and for a lot of different reasons. It, one of the biggest reasons is for whatever reason we've always had trouble on the East Coast. Okay. Always, we go into that that Eastern time zone. It, it's two hours ahead of El Paso time. Not only that, I think one of the games is at five. I don't know if both of them are, but one Once of them are, are five. At, so they're at five o'clock uh, Mountain time, right? It, it just, it just. It throws your body clock off, your your body Even clock. Even if you get off, there a yeah. day before. It, and, exactly. And, and like, you're just not used to it, and your body It just – I think your body gets in a rhythm when you're starting at 6, 7 o'clock, and those two hours just change things up just a little bit. And it just takes you maybe a little longer to kind of get into it. And, and not only that, like you mentioned, the traveling. I mean, you traveled this past week. I'm assuming, you know, they came back home, and I don't know exactly how long they're here for, but – you know, you gotta. go. I think, go right I think they left
0: today. I think they're leaving right now. You know, now. so you're
1: only here for two days, and you gotta go right back out. You're on a, on another long flight or connecting flights, or whatever it is. So it's just it, it takes a toll on you. Thanks, so, Conference USA. <laughs> so this definitely, you know, tough. But I guess you wouldn't rather have anybody else for this road trip other than the two F, the two Florida schools who are bottom of the league. I mean, especially FIU is literally down there at the bottom. Um, Going back to when we played them, these were the two wins that started our yeah. our, our win streak that really got us going, especially against FIU. The eighty-eight, eighty-seven win. I think that was what double overtime. Way, was that like was that? kind of a frustrating game. It was. There's no FIU was out two without two of their top players. But I think more than anything, you you notice that UTEP has has really tightened up on defense. Like, this was a team that we talked about at the beginning of the year. We talked about how there was no defense from this team. How how – where is the defense from a, from a team well, – Matt Wilms the team. is a is a, Wilm is,
0: is a rim protector, but he's – That's about it. That's and, all you guys are. More than just straight.
1: allowing, the you know, people to get to the rim. We couldn't stop the teams from shooting the threes. Oh. I mean, teams were just laying into us from outside the three-point line. And I don't know if teams were just hot or what it was against us, but they were uh, – and, and I told you the stats it, I don't have them off the top of my head, but it was something like we were averaging, like – Nine or ten three pointers given up a game, and, and we, we were shooting over 40%. And they were three. shooting all. They were shooting over 40% from three, and they were shooting like close to 50% from the field on us in the in that in that stretch where we started whatever one in 13, whatever you want to call it. And then you look at the stretch where you start to win games, and that number dropped from like nine threes a game down to just over five threes a game. And then you know everybody shooting like I think uh, on average it was like 38% in the last. 12 games or 11 games, whatever it is. So, you know, that defense has really tightened up. So, you know, even though those games against FIU and FAU were, were close, I think that you'll see a much different game in these in these two this weekend. And as long as they can stay away from starting slow, which has been an M.O. of Tim Floyd since he's been here, it <laughs> yeah. seems like, you know, like so many times we've seen them start slow, fall behind 10, 12 points. If they can stay away from that, I think you'll see them win both of these games. But I mean, who knows? Looking ahead, do you feel
0: that this – the big old cliche, defense travels. If this team continues just playing good defense, like I said, it's not so much of sweeping these next four games, beating the shit out of Old Dominion at home, which is going to be a tough task. We'll get into that one. But, I mean, does this team, does this defense, can you see this continuing just to be consistent, not so much dominant, not so much – Holding every, it's hard to hold every team below thirty-five. talking
1: about into the field
0: Can you see the? Like we've kind of touched it all. What's been what's been a strength during this win streak? What's been a weakness? But I mean, it, it, there's so much can happen in the next two weeks. But just hypothetically thinking, can, can you, you, know, you see that defense reason, traveling?
1: For whatever reason, the home games actually bother me a little bit more than these road games. Obviously, at ODU is tougher than any other opponent we have left. But for whatever reason, I'm more worried about splitting or losing both of those home games to end the season than I am about these two week. road games. So we're, we're flipped on yeah, that. We're, we're totally flipped, flipped on, flipped on, and, on and, that. One. And so well, we'll see what happens with that. But as far as defense traveling, you know, I think we'll be okay defensively. I mean, you look, you look at the at since since we basically started. I mean, here's a big stat
0: for you: the past the past seven games we've allowed 10 fast break points. All 10 came in one game. That was more Texas. To me that's a big deal for this team to be able to it, it, that was that was a, it seemed like the teams with great guards early on in the year whether it was a make whether it was a, a miss they were just beating us down yeah, for. Beating us down and not only that if that layup wasn't there they were kicking out and boom transition three. Yeah. And that, and Floyd's kind of touched on that, but I think that that's a huge fucking stat. I mean, no fast break points in five straight games. Yeah. I mean, that that doesn't you're bound to give up. Uh, and that goes to taking care of the basketball because you're bound to give up a turnover. No, but you,
1: those those are the things that you have to do. With when this you, game, exactly. Yeah. When, you, when you're when you so thin, when you only have seven guys and you don't really have that offensive firepower, you know, where you're not going to score 75, 80 points a game. Yeah, Sometimes you're going to need to inch it out at 60 to 60 to 57, 50 year, 54, whatever, 54, whatever in the middle is, Tennessee. Exactly. You know, when you have, <laughs> the, when you know that those are, and you, it's not just that one. I mean, Western can, UTSA 59-39, granted, we, they were cold as Even hell. Even Western but, Kentucky, You know, Western Kentucky, 65-62, 63-59, 57-54, 62-61. I mean, you have a lot of those games where you're not going to consistently score close to 80 points. You need to do things like that where you're not giving up cheap points, you mm-hmm. know, cheap baskets. But what, what really concerns me, you know, if you want to talk about defense traveling and, and, you know, going into the conference tournament, you know, what I start to look at more than anything and, and we haven't faced it too much this year, which is really surprising, but it's foul trouble. Mm-hmm. I really think that once you start getting into conference play, for whatever reason, the refs start tightening up, start calling a little closer. Um, they get used to certain people. Yeah, and, and so it, that's that's what I worry about. You know, Matt Wilms picking up two, three early fouls. Dominic Art is picking up two, three early fouls. It, it, you you look at any of those guys, yeah. Uh, Dominic, Omega, Matt, or Paul. Like if, if if any of those guys get three fouls within the first you know fifteen minutes of a game, and we have to play ten minutes without them, that's a really long time for any of those guys to be off the court. And, and the best where I've seen them play around that was against
0: Rice. Matt picked up two fouls within two and a half minutes. Shit. Paul Thomas had three fouls, two and a half minutes into the second half, scored fifteen points, and then played with four fouls the final ten minutes. So. Y- you're seeing them learn how to play smarter. But, when, but Rice is a team that only has really two good players that can get yeah. to the rim. Now, when you're playing against the Old Dominion Louisiana and you, Tech. In Louisiana Tech, when you got guys that are going to continually go – because it's easy for UTEP with the athletes that you have, with Omega and Dominic, to stop a perimeter-oriented team. And, to, and, and it's, it's surprising that shit Matt Williams and Paul Thomas were in foul trouble against that. Yeah. But when you're playing against the Old Dominion in a couple of weeks and they have three or four power forwards, that are – I'm not going to compare them, their likeness to Vince Hunter, the way that they can rebound and they're active in the paint, but they're not Vince Hunter. But you get what I'm trying to say. That is going to – and like you mentioned, Louisiana Tech, God forbid it's Middle Tennessee in a semifinal game. You know what I mean? That is a damn good point, and that's something that we saw early in the year. Paul Thomas, I think he had like a string of three or four games filing out. Now he's learning to play with it, but they haven't played those – Power to power forward like you're mentioning that is definitely a key to watch out for when they play Old Dominion here in a couple of weeks Old Dominion is going to come after them and come after them and now teams are starting to double team Matt Williams to, as well. Looking over to the offensive end, that's helped ball movement a little bit more. But when you get an effective double team where they're poking the ball out of Matt Williams, that's a possession you're losing. So those are two things that I really think that this team is. I don't want to say so much clean up, but just be a little bit more aware. I don't know, you know you how much situational practice they have but that's definitely something to keep an eye on because as you mentioned you're going seven deep when four four or five of those guys are producing I mean that is a, a hamper as it puts a hamper on your team for a five to six minute stretch and against teams like Louisiana Tech against teams like Middle Tennessee Old Dominion those five six minute stretch when the game is closed turns into a 15 point lead for the other team and this minor team has done well coming back this year but we know that it's been defensively when they fight back. They don't have that offensive firepower that they had this year yeah. to be able to to get to the free throw line or, or to get easy buckets around the rim. It starts with defense with this team. And, you know, it's, it, like I said, it's, it's been kind of, it's been almost exciting, borderline erotic. <laughs> you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I mean, it, to me, it's okay. Can this travel into Birmingham? You know what I mean? That's kind of where I'm at. Like, it's great. I like to see I have something positive to write about you know, in terms of watching good basketball and being able to to put something, whether it's positive, negative, mix it up. But, you know, to me, it's can this go, can this continue into the Conference USA tournament? Then I'll fully buy into, okay, next year, and we've said this so many fucking times about next year, but next year legitimately does look promising if this core of players that are developing continues this momentum. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if this UTEP team comes around, finishes around 500, you know, gets knocked out in the semifinal. Tim Floyd always talks about earning postseason. To me, this team has earned a CBI. I don't want to go with no CBI, but that's going to be an interesting scenario if Tim Floyd's going to decide. What do you think he kind of goes out on that? Or where, where would you fall in that? A team finishes 15 to 15, let's just say. Even, hell, even well, a game let, over 500. Let's do it real let's quick.
1: Math. Math. I mean, let's do the math. They're 11 to 15 you got right 11 now. to 15, and you got four regular season games left. Let's just say, let's four. just say you go three out of four. So you're you're 14 and 16 heading into the conference tournament. You, you get got a max of five week. By. You got a max of three days. Let's say, right? let's say you make it to day two. So you so you win one. You're at 15 and 16. If you lose there, which is in the semifinals, you you end up 15 and 17. I just do not see under 500 a 15 no. and 17 Conference USA team. I mean, you never know because a lot of these teams that get into to the te- tournaments like the CBI are
0: the Vegas sixteen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they
1: just they're, they're, they're it's possible that they would that they would be interesting for a for a tournament like that. But I mean, I guess you leave it up to the players, really. I mean, it, it, for up me to personally, artists. I think it'd be up yeah, to yeah, exactly the senior. You know, for me personally, why? Like, what what do you, what do you what are you trying to prove? Like, you know, I mean, even if you were to go win the CBI or whatever, like, what, do, and then, like, you're not drawing crowds, number one. So even if you get a home game, like, you're not really going to draw much money into that. You're probably going to have to, to spend money. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't see it, man. I don't see, especially if he wouldn't do it when we were borderline NIT team. The, the, I, I can't see he would do it this year. But, Whatever, man. I mean, my hopes, my hopes are on the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I mean, I'm not saying that it's it, it's likely. There's a very small chance that we do it. A very small chance. But you know, you've seen that this team can compete, and and if there's any postseason hope, that's what it is for me: is winning that tournament and somehow sneaking in. You've seen it before. It happens a lot. UAB. You know, something. A couple years. Yeah, ago. I mean, UAB was a little better, but you see it a, a lot where teams, you know, every other year you have a team in the NCAA tournament that's under 500. That somehow they're playing play won game and they and they won and they, yeah they end up a 16 seed but hey if we're in it we're in it but yeah man I mean look bottom line it's great to see this team playing better it's great to see them playing defense because that's what Tim Floyd is he's a defensive coach this program and yeah and, and and we didn't see that early on when they were when they were struggling and now that you're seeing them play defense and you're seeing that they can basically compete with anybody on their schedule. It's, it's exciting, you know it, it gives you something to, to watch and something to hope for. Um, I come back to that three point stat. the, the two games that we've lost and I, I didn't look at all the other ones that we won during this nine of 11, but the two games that we lost, we gave up nine and 11 three point three pointers. and like I was telling you in the, in, in that stretch you know, overall we were as before the last three games I believe when I had actually taken the stat, um, we were only giving up like over five a game. So that difference going from five to basically 10 a game, you know, that's, that's a difference that we cannot make up, you know? So I think if this team's going to win games, it's going to start by defending the three-point line. And if you go back to the wins at Marshall,
0: the win against Rice, they're doing well defending the three-point line. Rice is 1-14. I, I, I was like, shit, I'm going to start watching Glory Road before. I watched Glory Road on Friday. Rice at 1-14. I'm thinking, thank you. Thank you, basketball guys. But you going back to the Marshall game? I don't know the, the numbers off the top of my head, but that's a game where you figure if Marshall wins, they're gonna they're just gonna snowball you with three point shots. And Anthony's pulling up the stats here; they didn't shoot that well. Three of twenty-five. You See what I'm saying? Those two games combined now, I, Rice. I,
1: I think that there, though, like especially that Marshall game, I would I would not want to see Marshall again no, in the tournament or Rice or Rice or, or Rice. But definitely, I mean, and Rice if the season ends today, we'd basically be on track to play Rice, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, because. It would be 5-12, we'd play that that winner, which would be – right. I think – and, in fact, I think they would play – it's not Marshall, right? Marshall's not that low. No, nah, Mar- nah, Marshall's in eighth. I think they're seventh. E- Either way, you know, those are teams I definitely wanna, wouldn't want to see. But Marshall, I think more than anything and, – and I remember listening to that game, um, and Tysher throughout the game kept, you know, making comments about them missing shots and missing shots and missing shots and just talking about how cold they were. Because it was a team that, that – that's their style. Yeah. That's how they. The corner play. three is their best I mean, shot. That's what they do, and they just couldn't knock them down that night. So, and I, you got to give credit to the defense, but three or twenty five is more than just defense yeah. being an, an offense being cold. So, you see them again, I'd be very, I'd bet my house that they would not hold them to three or twenty five. Beautiful house. <laughs> yeah, they shoot better than three or twenty
0: five. Yeah, no doubt about it. Even going and even into the into Rice's credit, they did hit the three ball a little bit better in the second half, which kind of got them in the game at times. But UTEP still continue to defend well, and, and that that's a key. That that we've seen this so many times with Tim Floyd's teams, especially at home, that three ball, that that back-breaking three ball. During, you cut it to two, you cut it to one, and, and and Tim Floyd's teams have traditionally here at UTEP haven't been great three-point shooting teams. So now you're trading threes for twos, and we've seen how that's. Worked out for this team, in particular this team that is UTEP team that really struggles for three. I mean, damn, they look like they look ridiculous against Rice in that second half, five or seven, whatever it is. But that's like an every three or four game thing you see from this UTEP team. Yeah. Most of the time, if the team shoots well from three for twos, that's what UTEP's going to do. So, and,
1: and you look at the uh, Rice, they finished you You'll take that. Yeah, and like, I'm not just saying the percentage. Obviously, it's 27. They were won, 20 like I said, 1 of 14 in the first half. So. If, if a team is settling for that many threes, there's one or two things happening. Either they're hitting a bunch of them, so you're, you're basically not going to be in the game, or they're missing a bunch of them, and you're going to win that game. So you'll take that. I mean, that's a that's that's a coin flip right there. But more often than not, you're going to see stats closer to that, 27%, you know, when they're shooting 29 times from 3.9, than they'd be up in the 40s or 50s, you know. So, mm-hmm. um Look, this team has improved. There's no question about it. We're still not ready to, to anoint Tim Floyd. I think the one thing that we can definitely say is, and, and I still – Give my high five. Still, but... <laughs> still kind of disappointed in it, but that he's pretty much secured his job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like he's – and I don't necessarily agree with it because regardless of what they're doing right now, they're still 11 and 15. Like we're still <laughs> nowhere near where we want to be as a program. And But, it, you know, you, you kind of start forgetting. It. And winning solves everything, man. Yeah. Winning solves everything, and and you're you're nine you're nine and two in your last eleven. You kind of all the naysayers. Have, I mean, they're still there, but they kind of taken just a little we bit. We still here. it's like that it's like that that uh, that you see a lot. It's a meme of Homer Simpson where oh like yeah whatever fans the yeah. he like, and then he's like walking back into the bush. Yeah, like those naysayers are like that one where he's like just sticking out of the bush. You could just see his face and stuff. But I mean, he's he's basically locked up his job for at least the next year, if not longer, which is. I mean, we'll see. If I mean, he, if he can continue to have these kids play, though, the way that they're playing, you talk about Thomas, Wilms, Artis, uh, uh, who else? I mean, even you know Deion Barrett coming off the bench. Um, you still need guys like Flaggard to step up, but um, with what you've got coming in, I mean, it could could surprise people next year. That's that's
0: that was kind of the that's kind of the point I want to when people talking about expectations going forward. I just want to see this core continue to develop into the conference tournament. Like, I don't want to see no drop off. I want to continue to see it. Then I, I I won't fully buy in, but it'll make sense of why he's hyping it up. You know, it's, it's not like, Oh, it's going to happen, but it's just, okay. I see why, you know, you, you got these guys developing, you have, now you can call them the Calvary because you have guys here that can mesh with them. Not just you're bringing in seven guys and hoping that these seven guys turn it around, but now you have three other guys that are returning that are going to keep you there. When did I miss this, bro? Joey St. Pierre, that was about a month.
1: Wow. Yeah. yeah, But I think
0: this kid's for sure, I think he's a redshirt for sure. I mean, you're going to have Wilms. Floyd keeps talking about Wilms having to apply for another year, but I think he'll get that. I think there's no, like, reason why he shouldn't get that extra year. So you're going to have Wilms, you're going to have Kelvin Jones, and then you're going to have Tyra Smith coming in here. And I think definitely, I mean, Joey St. Pierre, I still can't find video on that kid. Obviously, ESPN has him as a three-star, and he's. That's a pretty damn good, grade, pretty damn for good ESPN, grade for ESPN, man. but I still think that he—that's a good project, like like probably one of the better projects that he's had. Maybe let's say he's two steps above where Kelvin
1: Jones was this time last I mean, year, but a 79 for ESPN is is borderline four-star. Yeah, I mean, once you start getting into the 80s, you're pretty and much. And he plays in star, Chicago. So. He's from the Chicago area, so he's been seen.
0: That's he, this true. isn't some guy from Hobbs, New Mexico. Not not one. no 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 shade on Kelvin Jones, but. He, like I said, he's ESPN has him as a three-star, but I still feel Floyd wants the red shirt. I'm like, I, that's kind of the vibe I get. Like just from the way that they've been able to stagger things is I think you're going to have Evan Gilliard come in and and fight for minutes. Kobe McGee's coming in to fight for minutes as far as point guard, Roger Williams is definitely going to play. I don't know too much about this Brewer kid, but I think there's three for sure guy or four, even you can go down to Tyra Smith and say four guys that are definitely joining this rotation next year, even if they are true freshmen, I think for sure those two point guards, Kobe McGee, Kobe McGee just had almost had a triple double the other night in a playoff game and Evan Gilliard, won a city championship with, with Simeon in, in the state of Chicago. So if this core develops, if your Paul Thomas is, like you mentioned, your Matt Wilms is, your Omega Harris continues to take it to that next level. I love watching Omega Harris play nowadays, by the way. It, you know, that you get a guy like like, like Deion Barrett to keep going. Jake Flaggart continues to hit his three 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 three-pointers a game and takes a couple of charges and, and affects defensively. If shit can hit a couple of three-pointers in this next stretch of games, that will definitely make me see why. I mean, it's going to make sense why this class is going to work with the core that's developing right now. But no
1: doubt about in a Tim it. Floyd type program, it's, anything can work. Th- and that's what I was just going to say. I mean, the wild card to all that is are all these players going to be back next year? All, are all these players, players going to conv- qualify? Yeah, exactly. Are, are they, they going to qualify? qualify? Are they even going to show up regardless? I mean, you never know. It, 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 you never know what's going to happen with a Tim Floyd coach team. And that's kind of disappointing, but it is what it is. So. We'll see what happens. Um, you just, I mean, I don't I don't even know what to say anymore about it, man. It's just, it, it feels like, like we've done this every single year. Yeah, like, yeah. every single year that Tim Floyd is, has been here, we've done this whole, like, well, look at this guy, and look at them, we we keep this going, and if they can come in and produce this, and if they can, you know, fill this hole, you know, we're going to have a great team, and, and every year we're back in the those same hole. Those holes bowl. are still empty, those players And not only that, up. I mean, you, you talk about just, you Forget everybody else that's ever left, but just Terry Wynn, man. And I don't know the true story. I don't know the whole story. I'm sure he was at fault as well. I don't know that it should have gone as far to, as to him leaving the team. Whatever happened, happened. But, you know, if you have a guy like that still who was developing into your best player last year, I mean, like truly developing into your best player, your most dominant big by far, who's not even a center. Six five, <laughs> and, and he was just – he was playing great basketball. I and mean, if Had had that, that guy – I mean, not only would it have helped this year, but for next year, I mean, you'd be in very good shape. Having
0: a third year, a fourth year junior with credentials in terms of Conference USA honors and no telling what he could have done this year. He he started off a little slow, but you saw that potential again, you know, with him. And that's that's going to be the question. It's 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 not so much the signing days. It's about those three or four months between. May and August to see who the fuck shows up, whose grandma don't get sick,
1: and, and, no, wh- I, and which media member gets lashed out this year. I don't know that we would have gone nine of, 9 of 11 in this stretch, but I look back to that Mississippi State game, man, and I felt like that was a game we should have won. And you win that game, I think it changes a little a little bit, and you probably don't lose to Southeastern, you no. probably don't lose to Northwestern. Probably, State. no, I don't think. <laughs> um, you may still lose to New Mexico, even though we had a chance, but you know, that you don't lose to Northern Arizona. You don't lose to Maryland Eastern shore. You don't lose to UCI. Maybe you split with NMSU. I don't know, but I mean, you're, you're talking about a completely different season. And I'm not saying we'd be at the top of the league or we'd be in, you know, an NCAA tournament hunt, but you wouldn't be 11 and 15. If, if just a, a couple of those things go your way, man, early on, it, it's just, it's, it's been a wild season and it's crazy to see that, you know, at the beginning of the year, we opened up, you beat, uh, you, you lose to for us in the first one, but you bounce back against Western Michigan, and you're playing well against Mississippi State. And at that point in time, you were disappointed about the loss, but you felt like, hey, there's something here. Might be able to generate some wins. And then all of a sudden, the bottom just falls out. And, I mean, it, it just – yeah, it, it seemed like it was like it was never going to end. And then all of a sudden, here we are, 180 degrees, and we're in position for a top four seed in the conference tournament. And and it's it, been, I mean, if there's a, a such thing – like a true definition of a roller coaster season, this is it. NAU, UMES,
0: UCI. Sounds like some shit you can catch off a bender in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And those teams were. And it's funny because I tweeted that during the time. Those teams came in You know, there's. Say what you want. UTIP hasn't been a basketball power in 25 years, but. There's a there's a, a mistake around UTEP. Everybody knows that it's intimidating to walk into the Haskins Center and see, especially when there's fans the, there. yeah, to, to see rows of, of seats whether they're empty or not, banners, a video board, uh, high cheerleaders, whatever it may be. <laughs> like they're, 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 it's intimidating. Those it Teams walked in there, like, like like they didn't give it, like they weren't scared. You, you, you see other teams somebody, come in here scared, but it, you just saw the confidence in those teams, and that's why I thought they were in trouble. Right, I, don't, I don't
1: know what the attendance is in, in most of the stadiums or the arenas in, in Conference USA, but I would assume you touch the biggest, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: yeah actually, yeah. Old Dominion. That I, think, know? I think Old Dominion, Old Dominion, and and North Texas may be close. Maybe really close to. I, I, I'm not way, saying some like some of these
1: schools have you know four five thousand capacity stadiums. I mean they're like high school gyms. UCSA and, they got and a you walk teams. in you walk into a to a twelve thousand seat arena with those like you're talking about those banners. It's definitely uh, something to, to think about when you're playing there. It just sucks that in years past so much more to play because of the fans. Yeah, I mean when that place has eight nine ten thousand people in it. Not, you know, don't even mention when it's sold out. But when yeah. it has eight, nine, ten thousand people in it, that place can get rocky. And I know that there's been some games that it's been loud and people are like, Man, it's it's been so loud it it has not been nah. anywhere near as loud as that place has gotten in the past. In some of those rivalry games and in that championship game against Memphis and those type of games. And that's that's the only sad part that I see with what's going on with not the only, but I should that's the biggest sad that's the saddest part about what's going on with UTEP basketball right now, is is that attendance continues to dwindle and the fans continue to to leave the program and like they're just they're not having it and I mean you know I don't mean to to end this podcast on like a a negative note and you know start going back and bashing Tim Floyd even though I could for the next hour but you know if if the administration sees one thing at all because I still go back to that that letter that got sent out that the boosters were what are, happy. What are we, like, nine like, and two since that letter? Though? Yeah, true, true. <laughs> but no, I mean, if, if there's one thing that the administration should take note of, it's that attendance, man. Because even even in the in the bad years that we've had, you know, because there's been bad years in the last 25 years. There's been good years. There's been bad years. NTA tournament years, nothing years. Tim Floyd you know, years. The past couple years with,
0: with, with uh, C J Cooper and them but getting eight thousand a game. Exactly. Still. You
1: know you, you should you should be expecting eight thousand a game. And when you see that attendance start to dip below five thousand, you you should know something is wrong with what's going on here. How about 10. a ten year
0: window that, that, that could put it mo- that can put it more in perspective? We're what forty forty thousand in football, ten thousand in basketball. Now we're twenty two in basketball, six in foot and are twenty two in football, six in football. It, it, it's. It, I think it's It's a A larger, I don't think this is something that just happened this year, you know what I mean? I think this is something that's yeah, been it's, kind it's of... It's been
1: falling off for a while now. It's been, you know, the, the attendance at both football and basketball has been doing, you know, and it got, it got bad. I mean, you talk about as bad as 5,000 is in basketball. Some of those football games were like 10, 10K, man. Houston I mean, Baptist? You love you. That it, was 7,000 in there. And the biggest issue with that, not just your fans are leaving, but that's that's where your revenue comes yeah. from. I mean, for football, that's that's, and not even just football. I mean, the the sports that don't make money, which is the majority of sports at colleges, football is where you make it up. And for you to have ten thousand, man, that's a that's a
0: that's a hard. And you're not to, like, going you know, to bowl games, home. so you're not getting that extra. Chance. Are you gonna win what two bowl games in this decade, which isn't really gonna pay the bill because the New Mexico Bowl? So I mean, I think
1: I think we can end on this. Sean Kugler's not going anywhere for at least a year, probably at least two till twenty twenty, I think, but that's my opinion. Um, and Tim Floyd's got at least one, if not two more years to do something. If if this if these two programs do not make it to a, a postseason, you know, if, if we don't make it to the NCAA tournament in basketball, and if Cougar if doesn't take us back to a bowl game in these next two years, if that happens with both programs, we're gonna be Idaho. We're gonna be Idaho. We're going to be in a spot where a team like, I mean, a, a school like NMSU is, bro, yep. you know, searching for a home. You know, if, if another round of conference expansion comes around and some of these teams from conferences get poached and, and CUSA starts to kind of fall apart or, or whatever, even if they don't, I mean, we're going to be even worse than we are off right now. I mean, you talk about the TV contracts that we go or that we have and then how they've fallen off since Memphis and Houston and those guys left. I mean, we're probably making a 10th. Of what we were from TV contracts at that point, and and if we're if it continues to go the same way right now and and in two years, we're in the same boat. We're Idaho, man. <laughs> we're, Idaho. That, we're Idaho. That's that's the
0: only way I can put it. We're Idaho, and it sucks because out of these next four games, three are not televised. So it, not only talking about money, but exposure. So that way, it, somebody can see that you know. You know, but it's, it's it's, think it's crazy, on the map.
1: Like, I, I honestly feel – and I know we're not, like, a national powerhouse. But we
0: get the better – in basketball, we do get the better like, TV
1: I think, spots. I think for That's the true. most part, people that are college basketball fans, like, when you say UTEP, then, they yeah. know who you're talking about. Football fans, maybe not.
0: They'll know what – they'll they, laugh They might are laughing in your Texas fucking mouth. face. Texas
1: but, like, if you say UTEP in basketball, people still know who you are. Yeah. So if, I'm not too worried about that exposure, but the dollars, man, the dollars, like, we're, we're not making any more money. And if things don't get turned around soon, and we're not making it here, you know, within the program where the football team is generating revenue, the basketball team is generating revenue, we can't be looking at conference USA because there's there's gonna be nothing over there. Oh. The well's gonna be dry, and we're not making any money here. It, it's gonna be tough. You're gonna start. I, I'm not gonna. I'm about to jump off the deep end, like for real. Do you Talk about okay. programs being cut because of lack of funding. It could happen. You know, uh, and, and and it's not far fetched. Like you see this happen a lot of, of smaller schools. There's just not enough money to go around to support programs like, like softball. And for how many years has UTEP basketball
0: carried the revenue way over UTEP football? I think that, that Texas well, there was a Texas Monthly that showed that UTEP basketball was was grossing one year more than UTEP football. It wasn't it wasn't you know like a yeah. drastic, but I mean that's that's a possible like you mentioned it's not so much like next year, but. Two or three years, like, this could be in the distant or in the near future. Like, this is not something that's like, oh, a 10-year deal. 10-year deal was 05, what they sh- should have been thinking of a 10-year plan after Mike Price, after those first two years. Well, I'm pretty sure they were raking in mad dough those first two years, and we're getting $40,000. you are playing on ESPN. You're going to back-to-back bowl games, good bowl games. You're going to the, the EB1 Houston Bowl, the Boise Bowl, whatever it was. I mean, now it's not there, and in three years of, of, of more 14,000, 10,000 football attendance, I fucking fully
1: agree with you, bro. Yeah, I mean, if we're on we're, – that's what that's what we're looking at right now. That's 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 the big picture right now. You know, we're hoping – and I know that administration is hoping that, that Tim Floyd can get this program turned around and that Sean Cougar can can do what he's promised kinda, yeah, yeah, promise and, and shown a little bit of. However, now, like we talked about so many times, he doesn't have Aaron Jones and things are going to get a lot harder for him. And then you talk about the scheduling this year. We could be looking at another long year. And, and basketball, if things don't pan out, if, if somebody, God forbid, God forbid, somebody gets hurt or whatever it might be, somebody doesn't qualify, gets kicked off the team, whatever, you could be right back in the same boat again. And more fans leave and more revenues out the door. And, and I'm telling you, man, I mean, you're only a couple years away from being in really bad shape financially as, as an athletics department. I mean, and I'm sure they're already there. Yeah. I'm sure they're already there. And, and it's not at panic levels. Yeah, yet, it's not, but, it's but, but it's it's definitely a concern right now. And you're only a couple years away from it really, really being a problem that could take a toll on more than just those two major programs. I mean, I'm telling you, and I and I hate to just pick on on, on softball, but I mean, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, we have softball, why can't we have baseball? We don't even have the money to support these programs. And the way it's going, we're not we're going to have to start cutting programs, not adding programs. Now, the bad thing about if we were to have to cut a program like softball is with your Title nine rules and having to have what is it like a certain amount of scholarships that. Add well, it's not so scholarships. Time. I think we have to have more women's sports than men's sports, if I'm not mistaken. There's some whatever it is you because of the rules of Title 9 you'd also see other men's programs cut. So and the 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 effects can be far-reaching. And there's already,
0: I mean, the hey, have a really really small. Golf, track and field, football, basketball. That's. Uh, it. I mean, you got club hockey. <laughs> That's club, you know. So oh, definitely good points. It's something to to, to listen. To. If you're a don, if you're a, a donator or a donor, add a little extra zero on that check from my boy Anthony Salon <laughs> right there. We'll, we'll, well, hopefully you get repaid with a championship in a couple of years. No promises, but I mean, if, if it doesn't get turned around, man, I don't know if a donor can save it, right? Unless it's Paul Foster, oh that you could say Yo, it. Paul Foster, let me get 150 in my account. That you could
1: probably add about three or four <laughs> zeros to his donations, man. But they live up there,
0: right? Uh, I'm pretty sure they do.
1: I was, I was, coming in, the sun was hitting those houses right there. I'm, like, I'm pretty you know what? I'm pretty sure he lives off in the country club area, if I'm not mistaken. But bala. <sighs> anyway, man, good podcast. Kind of we're ending on a down note, which I didn't want to do, but I had to. Just jumped shit off deep end. It's it's just the, <laughs> it's the truth. though. Yeah, like I look truth. at this like a business. Like it is. You know, I have talked about about Bob Stall being the CEO of a company. If things were going this way in a company where that CEO still have his job. And the answer is definitely no. Yeah. You know, um, when you start seeing fans leave and not supporting, that's your that's your investors, that's your stockholders selling off their stock and be like, I'm out, I'm gone. I don't want to. their season tickets. And, to and so that's one thing. And then when you look at it from just a business standpoint and you see like, you know, hey, this product X and product Y, you know, we're not doing what we need to do marketing wise. And so they're starting to drop off in sales drastically, which is what's happening with football and basketball. And that's what supports my company. I'm going out of business. Like, that's that's what happens in business. And and I'm, I'm just, man, dude, I'm you, hoping You know what kind of irks me, too, on that? When people talk about,
0: when people shit on 10 marketing and I get it, like, you know. Th- there's reason for it but in college athletics it's not like the El Paso Chihuahuas college athletics winning drives it yeah. you know what I mean like it, it I, I hate that comparison where people oh well the Chihuahuas are doing it right bro that's almost like apples and oranges in a sense because I mean college athletics is, is, is driven on passion it's driven what on, I, on, on team so, wins and losses. what I think
1: though is that you got to get creative man but you yeah and you that's have, what I'm saying you, you, have you have to get creative you because can. you're where you're, yes, you're right. Winning is definitely where it's at. Winning is is what drives college athletics. If you don't win, the fans don't come, and you, and you lose money. But for marketing, like they they have to get creative. Not creative towards the students. I, to me, well, I would the say creative. creative one where is the student section? is the student section in football and basketball? You know that you look at, at. I mean, there's there's probably only a hundred students at a basketball game, which is crazy. Football is probably only a thousand, which is even more crazy. Like, I mean, you should have ten times that amount. And and you know, but from mark from a marketing perspective, and I'm talking about drawing in the families, drawing in the casual supporter that that you're re- that you need their money to to keep this boat floating. You know, they don't really do anything to attract them. And I know that like sometimes you'll see like whatever Noche Latina or whatever it is, right? And it might. Uh, it, <laughs> so, some people might like that you know what i mean and it might attract some people but even if it did like where are you promoting it because i never see it other than like twitter yeah. and it's like your average dad that's got two kids or whatever is not on twitter at 12:30 in the afternoon like seeing what utep athletics is doing you know yeah. what i mean so they're, they're just not getting creative enough with what they're doing and i mean if they're gonna change attendance the way it's going around that's definitely one of the one of the keys that they need to, to work on for sure, so, for sure. So. God help the Miners. God help us all, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Rush Podcast. Hope none of y'all is being driven to suicide, to, fa- to fan suicide right now. You uh, said fan suicide. Oh, man. But, it, you know, it's just been that kind of year. It's just been that kind of year. Uh-huh. But hope y'all enjoyed it. Rush Podcast, minor SBNMinorRush at gmail.com, Facebook.com slash minor SBNMinorRush on Twitter. And if you want Alex's phone number, DM me and I'll get it to you. All right. Only if you're single and I (laughs) was lucky that. Yeah. Take care. Bye.